Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 386 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me this week, back for his second appearance, but certainly not his last appearance on on the show, uh, Nate Dotson. How are you today, Nate? I couldn't be a whole lot better. I don't know that I'm qualified to be on the world's most dangerous podcast, but I'm, I'm going to do my best. Oh, it's 25% more dangerous with you on here. Um, <laughs> so watch my language. Please do. Yes, please do. It's a family family show. Um, I, I'm back, obviously, after a couple of weeks off. I want to thank uh, the, the hosts that uh, held, the, held the shop together while I was gone. Didn't burn the place down. Didn't burn Red Leg Nation radio headquarters here in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Didn't burn it down. Uh, thanks to Chris Garber and Bill Lack. And then the, the week before to uh, uh, Doug Gray and, and Nick Kirby. All were fantastic. Hope you enjoyed those episodes because I certainly did as I was on the road on vacation. Uh, enjoyed listening to those. I did not appreciate all the jabs that uh, that uh, Bill and Chris took at my expense. But, you know, that's what you get when you leave them in charge. And uh, I'm hopeful that, uh, that Nate will be a little kinder to me today. Um, you know, I, I, I thought that the first thing we'd be talking about in this episode was going to be the trade deadline because all that all that is going on right now. But um, that's not where we're going to start. But before we get into exactly the topic that is going to that everyone's talking about, Reds' let me just kind of briefly recap where the Reds are coming out of the uh, All Star break. The Reds uh, lost uh, three in a row to the Milwaukee Brewers. Just a disastrous, disastrous stretch that. I, it went from four games out at the break to seven and a half games out, or to seven games out, and then seven and a half the next night when they lost to, to the Mets. They lost two of three to the Mets right after that, and it's starting to look like, oh, great, here are the Reds again. But then they win two out of three against St. Louis, uh, and then three out of four in Chicago. So the Reds are now one, two, three, four, five, uh, one, five of the last seven. Um, six third last nine, and all of a sudden, you know, they're not gaining a whole lot of ground yet, unfortunately. But they're starting to look more like the team we were hoping for. Um, what are your before we get into the, the topic of the day? What are your thoughts about where the Reds are right now? And, and yes, what are your kind of you know twenty thousand feet level view of of this team where they stand right now? Really, with about sixty games to go. Well. I could be mistaken, you know, my, my old age is getting to me, but I seem to remember a team back in 2010 that also got swept right out of the gates post-All-Star break. Interesting. So I love making parallels to 
to previous teams, but uh, I remember that I think I was at one of those games, and there might have been a brawl. You know, we we didn't have any of those fireworks. We almost had them against the Cubs uh, a couple almost. days ago. But I got to tell you, one of the things I love the most about baseball, especially this Reds team and their uh, you know history of futility, at least during my lifetime, is the optimism that comes when uh, when things get exciting, when it's going well. Um, this team is just fun to root for. It's, no matter what happens for the rest of the season, I'm not going to have had a bad time. There's been plenty to complain about. I'm sure we'll get into a lot of it, but some moves were made. The Reds play hard. They like each other, and they're not out of it. There is still plenty of time to crawl back into not just the wild card, but this division race. Yeah, and, I, and we'll probably get into that a little bit more. I think probably the division is uh, is more likely even at this point, uh, given what all's going on. But, yeah, I think you, you point to something that – that I've said a lot and that a lot of us have said, which is this, this is a frustrating organization. They've screwed a lot of things up, uh, in the front office, in the higher levels, but this team on the field, I mean, they probably only have 18 real major league players, but man, those players are fun to watch. And, and you're right. They do seem like and it may, this is, I, I never know if it's really a thing that they like each other, but boy, they seem like it. Maybe, you know, that's something that you always look at in retrospect. Maybe the guys on losing teams like each other too, but nobody ever says it, but man, they sure seem like, they enjoy playing with each other, and and they're just uh, they're fiery. And uh, I think I called them at uh, uh, Cincinnati Magazine, one of my columns early in the year, the Rowdy Reds. They're a little rowdiness this week again, but um, but let, let's let's go ahead and talk about what what we really need to be talking about. Joseph Daniel Vado. Now you, you're one of the reasons I like talking to you about the Reds is that you have a little different perspective, and you alluded to it a moment ago, which is that. You've never really seen a really good Reds team. You've never seen a championship. You've never uh, experienced that because of the because of your age. Um, how does Joey Votto? Where does he fit in, in in kind of your life as a Reds fan in terms of the players that you that you've gotten to see and um, how does he how does he stand out? I guess, I guess what I'm asking is is he like Barry Larkin was was for me the the Red the, that's you know, I read his whole career, Hall of Famer. Is that kind of where he is in your uh, – does that question make sense or am I just kind of rambling? No, it makes perfect sense. And I've been thinking about it more lately, as I imagine a lot of Reds fans have been over the past, you know, six days and uh, even the last few years. But I'm, I'm sitting at a desk right now with a picture behind me of four of the big red machine. I got Johnny Bench, Tony Perez, Joe Morgan, and Pete Rose. And I look at that, and I'm thinking, like, man, what a, what a fun time that must have been for Reds fans. And I was five years old when they won in 1990, so I don't, I don't remember it or anything. We definitely watched the videos, and I got to you know, make fun of the Where's Quinonia's Lady plenty of times. But <laughs> Excellent. Even Larkin, you know, I got to be there in person for his last game ever, but you don't appreciate it when you're that age. Watching Joey Votto go about his business, and become one of the greatest, not just Major League Baseball hitters, like during his generation, arguably, and I know I, this is you know a bit controversial, controversial, but arguably the best hitter in Reds history. Yeah. And it's just so much fun to root for. His antics on and off the field combined. Has there been a more likable player since Adam Dunn? I don't think so. Now, he's not in Adam Dunn's league. <laughs> Who is? Uh, but other than Dunner, I think he is 100% my favorite Red and the best Red, certainly, of my lifetime. I love Larkin. I, Larkin is you know, he was synonymous with my, my love for baseball growing up, but Votto's something else. He's something special. 
yeah, for a, for a generation that's not had a lot to cheer for. Uh, unfortunately, I don't get the sense that a lot of Reds fans really have truly appreciated Votto, and I hope this year his kind of renaissance is, is given a new appreciation for Joey Votto. But, uh, yeah, you, you kind of alluded to something that I was thinking about bringing up later, but I, I'm, glad, I'm glad to get into it right now. The way he's kind of, you know, uh, settled into his own skin over the course of his career, you know, he's kind of gradually but uh, steadily gotten more outgoing and showed his personality more to the point now where he's just – he's. You can't take your eyes off him. He's a joy to watch. Oh, and by the way, he's playing incredibly, incredibly well. Um, so let's just let's let's get into the the facts of it. Joey Votto. Well, before before this weekend, one player in the history of the Cincinnati Reds, and we're talking about a long history of the Cincinnati Reds. One player had ever had six home runs in a single series. That was a guy named Johnny Bench uh, that you may have heard of. That was in 1970. That was Bench's first MVP year. He had six versus uh, in a series versus the Cardinals. Well, Joey Votto this week, six home runs in one series versus the Cubs, um, six consecutive games with a home run, eight home runs over those six games, uh, new franchise record there. Can any of us truly say we saw this coming? I, I couldn't. I think it's. I think it's impossible. This guy was considered a high average, high on base percentage contact hitter. Like like he had a couple seasons around his MVP year that where he had some power, but other than that, those were outliers. To do this at his age is I don't want to say unprecedented, but it's certainly unprecedented in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm going to confess that, uh, and I have to confess because it's in print uh, on the uh, the digital pages of uh, Cincinnati Magazine uh, of doubting Joey Votto. You know, after the 2019 season, uh, he he just was not good. It was he was a below average hitter, according to OPS Plus, for the first time in his career. Um, and then last year, uh, 2020, the beginning of the you know that shortened campaign, halfway through he was hitting 191. 321 on base, 326 slugging, and, you know, um, went 0 for 18 near the end of August uh, against St. Louis and Milwaukee, and just, I, nobody wanted to believe it, but we had a long track record here of a, what became a large sample size showing that, you know, it's the it's the same age-related decline that everybody has. You know, father time is undefeated, as I always say. Um, and so David Bell benches him. And Votto responds not by sulking, not by criticizing the manager. He responds by changing everything. He changed his stance. He's standing more upright. He changed his approach at the plate. Understand that I'm just going to try to hit home runs, basically. And that's what he said, actually, today after the game. I'm trying to hit home runs. That's why I'm hitting home runs. Rather than trying to control the strike zone like he tr- did during his his, uh, his great seasons. Because he just recognized, as an older player, I can't do that like I used to do it. And still get the bat around. Father Time was undefeated. You can't you can't defeat Father Time. Right. And and but you know what? <laughs> no one else that I know of <laughs> has made a change like that. And overnight, he became a uh, an elite hitter. Frankly, uh, again, it's just it's mind boggling to me. I guess if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Joey Votto. But it's just I still can't believe it. Yes, I criticized him because why well, not? I didn't criticize him. I said, nah, you know, here we are. We're finally seeing it had to happen eventually. Votto's going to decline. Well, now I'm not so sure he's ever going to decline. You can be forgiven for any of those takes. He he wasn't passing the eye test back then either. Like he right. looked bad. He looked lost at the plate, which was something you could never say about this man for his entire career. So having those takes, they're not bad takes. They were true at the time. But he somehow found a way to battle back and reinvent himself 
into, well, at least as we stand on July 29, 2021, maybe the most feared hitter in the game. <laughs> He's 37. That's not possible. Uh, I, I don't know, but most feared for the last week and a half, certainly, but he has he is up near the league leaders in uh, OPS. He is... Um, He's just, he's back in the elite category of hitters all of a sudden, um, and uh, and it happened almost overnight from that benching. I mean, these numbers I'll run through them quickly, and some of these won't mean anything to any of you. But he's a two seventy eight average again, we're used to a higher average from him. A three seventy three on base percentage, which is very good, but again, still below what we knew as typical Votto when he led the league in on base percentage so many times. Five fifty six slugging percentage, and then two of these advanced metrics that you don't have to know what they mean. Uh, but I'm just going to tell you, these numbers I'm about to spout at you are excellent and, and up uh, within the elite category. 393 weighted on base average, 144 weighted runs created plus. Yeah, you know, um, just, <laughs> I guess the, the question I have for you, Nate, is there anything Joey Votto can't do? Is there anything he can't do? I mean, Give birth. I think that's the only thing that I will Perhaps. disqualify him from being able to do. Other than that, I think the world's his oyster, and I'm just happy to be along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that that's that's the point. There is that we go from a, a period where we loved watching him. You talked about your love for for watching his career. To now, we got a chance to. Hey, you know what? We're going to get to enjoy him for a little bit longer. It looks like, and and who knows how long? Again, father time. But I, we've been saying it for years enjoy every at bat with this guy because someday he's going to be gone. He's going to retire and uh, you're going to miss him because there's never, they, we may never see anyone like him in a Reds uniform ever again. So, um, so w- will you pledge to me that you're going to uh, enjoy every at bat from this point forward, Nate? I, I can promise you that. That won't be a problem. You want to talk about the trade deadline a little bit? I mean, I guess we have to. We do, and I'm you know I'm of a, of a couple of minds about uh, what happened at the trade deadline. And let me just run through it really quickly, and then we can dive a little bit deeper into it. The Reds uh, kind of surprised us this week by I don't know somebody must have poked uh, General Manager Nick Craw with a stick, and uh, he made a couple of trades, and uh, they're trades that help the Reds. Um, I'm happy with the trades. The Reds are better after these trades. Um, I'm not sure I'm ready to you know give awards to the to the front office just yet. But they're still, you know, they're still as we record this on Thursday evening. They're still, you know, a day left in the in the before the trade deadline. So maybe they can do something more. But but what they did was good. Uh, the first trade was uh, the Reds made a, a deal with the New York Yankees to acquire right-handed pitcher Luis Sessa and left-handed pitcher Justin Wilson, both relief pitchers. Um, and the Reds uh, are going to send a player to be named later to complete that deal. So two uh, two pitchers who we'll talk about a little bit more, um, and they also designated Ashton Godot and Edgar, Edgar Garcia for assignment at that time. Later traded Ashton Godot. Um, if you, you know, if that means anything to you, uh, the Reds traded Ashton Godot um, to the Colorado Rockies for the, uh, for cash considerations. I've never heard of that player cash mm-hmm. considerations, but hope he's good. Um, and the second trade was, with the Colorado Rockies, the Reds got Michael Givens in exchange for a couple of players, Case Williams, who had come over in the from Colorado uh, over the offseason, the Jeff Hoffman, Robert Stevenson trade, and prospect, quote unquote prospect, uh, Noah Davis. 
and the rest designated Josh, Josh Osich for uh, assignment to make room for Givens. So three relievers in, in a basically a 12-hour span, pretty much. Now, what was your reaction when the Reds finally started trading, and uh, do you have any uh, any quick thoughts about the uh, these deals and, and what they mean for the Reds? My first reaction, obviously, was, holy smokes, the Reds did something. I can't believe this. Um, yeah, me too. It's been a fun season, so I think – Anybody who follows the Reds closely is going to be pretty excited that they uh, they quickly made you know a couple quick moves to address the most glaring concern on the roster. I mean, you can argue about shortstop, but this bullpen has been atrocious through no fault of the players that have been thrown out there. You know that they weren't qualified to be doing what they were asked to do. The Reds got some guys. I got some opinions about all of them, but hey, I can't I can't complain. You can't look at you know, say one thing and then get upset when it happens. Let's go. Welcome to Red's country. I'm excited. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. And and it's a really good point. Uh, people get really angry online. Uh, you may, may have heard that this is a thing that goes on in, in the world. Um, and people get so mad at Ashton Godot and Josh Osage. And what you just said is so true. They were out there on the mound trying the hardest they could to be good pitchers for the Cincinnati Reds. You know, I don't blame them. They were just put in positions that they just weren't qualified for. And that's on the front office. That's on management. Um, Luis Sessa uh, is, is the guy that I really uh, like out of this. Luis Sessa, just for those of you that uh, don't know, he's 29 years old, uh, signed with the Mets at age 16 uh, as an international free agent, and um, basically throws... Four pitches, a slider, four-seam fastball, sinker, and a changeup. And and Sessa, in, in his major league career, has been, uh, you know, uh, he's been good. I think that's what that's what I'll say. You know, I mean, he he was not great as at age twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, but he was fine. He was fine. Age twenty-six, he had a rough year. But then, you know, two thousand nineteen with the Yankees, um, one eleven ERA plus, so a little better than average, and then. Um, 131 uh, ERA plus in 2020, so a really good year. And this year, just uh, by far the best of his career so far. Uh, he's, he was three and one with the with the Yankees at, at uh, see a 2.82 ERA, and you know in his first outing with the Reds uh, yesterday looked pretty good. Um, this is a guy that I'm happy to have in the bullpen. He's, is he a, a savior? No. Is he the closer of the future or the closer of right now? No. But man, he's better than whoever he replaced. Uh, that's the way I look at it. So I'm happy to have uh, have Sessa. What about you? Oh, 100. Um, percent I, I definitely agree with your opinion. He's not going to be, you know, the return of Charles <laughs> Chapman. But hey, this guy is controllable through 2023. If I'm not mistaken. Um, we're all excited about this year and this this team. But let's be honest, we could be just as good next year. Having this guy at a low price tag for the next few years there's nothing wrong with that i'm excited to have him yeah no i think that's a that's a good point that i neglected uh, to mention which is that yeah he's under control um and so uh you know um yes he's here to help this year's team but uh, i like i like having him going forward uh quickly about uh, justin wilson who they also got justin wilson's 33 justin wilson has not had a good season uh he's a 10-year uh veteran of the big leagues um Basically, two pitches, four seam fastball, and a cutter. Um, he has had good years, had very good years, certainly with uh, Detroit and uh, with 
uh, Pittsburgh with the Yankees previously and then back with the Yankees, but he's he's had a rough go of it this season. Um, but last year, you know, um, 3.66 ERA. Two years ago with the Mets, 2.54 ERA, 164 ERA plus. I don't know, he, he's also looked good in his first outing with the Reds, uh, uh, although he did walk, walk a guy. But um, basically, Wilson was a salary dump. Is, is the general consensus the Yankees making a salary dump? <laughs> um, but that's the consensus. And but still, I think that he, he, despite all that, and despite the fact he was kind of the, the the second piece in this, again, he's still better than the guy he's replacing, right? Oh, 100 um, percent. I think he might have been the tax to get Sessa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, that's, if, that, if that's the case, bring it on. He's 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 a buy low high-reward kind of guy who has had extended success in the major major leagues. You're right, this year's been a dumpster fire, but even so, like you said, it's better than the people we've been trotting out every day. So I love it. I love it. Justin Wilson. We've seen it you know, time and time again over the years. Some some people just fizzle out with the Yankees. The Yankees have a hard – you know, players have a hard time playing in that market. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Sonny Gray, but – that worked out pretty well, and he got the sense. He maybe, uh, maybe we can see a little bit more of the same from Justin Wilson. There we go. Justin Wilson is Sonny Gray version 2.0. You heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> no, I think uh, I think you, you you triggered something in my mind that I hadn't really thought about it. A lot of these guys we've been throwing out are guys who've been released by five different teams and have never had that success in the league. At least Wilson has, and you know, and and again, if, I guess. Do we, do we want to give credit to to Bob Kathleen for Green to take on a little bit of extra uh, salary that he wouldn't otherwise? I, I have a hard time doing that because the Reds are still far behind what they gave away in uh, Archie Browdy and Rosella Iglesias, all the money they saved from that. It's not like they're, you know, that's they, they saved that money to get a shortstop, we were told. Um, so, but still, still, it's it's not a necessarily a game changer, but the Reds are better after getting Sessa and Wilson than they were the day before, and that's... That's progress. Michael Givens. The next day, Michael Givens came from the Rockies in exchange for, as I said, Case Williams and and Noah Davis. Now, Michael Will Michael Givens, thirty one years old, um, former second round pick of the uh, Baltimore Orioles. He throws a, a four seam fastball, a changeup, and a slider. Uh, Michael Givens has had a pretty good career. He's had a pretty good career, pretty consistent career out of the bullpen. He's, again, not a not a closer, but uh, has been a consistently above-average pitcher every single year. Um, he got to Colorado, and things looked a little bit different because it's Colorado. But uh, And this guy, he came in in his first appearance for the Reds and struck out the side. What are your thoughts on Givens? Uh, to, I, to me, he looks like he may be the best of the bunch, Um Although I do like Sessa as well. You got any thoughts? This was the easiest one for me to wrap my head around. I'm sold by anybody who tweets out a picture of themselves as a small child wearing Reds, Reds gear. Right, yeah. So he I knew, saw that. He knew how to endear himself to the Reds fans immediately. Um, what shocked me the most about this one was he was a free agent after this season. This was, at least on the surface, a signal that the front office is considering the – thought of winning now <laughs> what? maybe what? they want to <laughs> um he, he's, a, he's a great player he's an established very very good major league baseball reliever and i wish we could have had him a month ago 
Yeah, yeah, really. Um, you know, uh, Noah Davis was uh, one of the guys that the Reds gave up for uh, for Givens, and uh, you know, he, this is a, we're talking about twenty four year old still pitching an A ball. You know, I, I can't get too upset about that. Uh, Case Williams, you know, fourth rounder formerly, but again, you know, he was in low A this year, but he's young still, so and he wasn't, but he wasn't doing doing very well. I never have a problem with trading anybody, and that's never been above single A ever. I never have a problem with that. But yeah, yeah, that's a good point about Givens. I mean, I don't think we need to say that it's uh, that the Reds are all in or they're going for it, but this was clearly a trade that was designed just to help them this year and they gave up a little bit of prospect capital for it and so uh, you know i'm happy but i'm also like yeah you know come on there's still you know 18 hours left or whatever how about making a real trade um we're better the reds are better and maybe there is more to come but the problem is the brewers traded for an all-star third baseman eduardo escobar from the diamondbacks and he's he's good he's not great but he's good um and, and the Padres and Dodgers, who the Reds are fighting against for the wild card, are just going nuts. They're fighting over the latest. I don't know if you saw this uh, latest rumor. The uh, the Dodgers are trying to – the Padres were, were mentioned as the location that uh, Max Scherzer was going to end up. Well, now the Dodgers jumped in, and they're, they may be in the, near the end of a deal for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Washington Nationals. I mean, those teams are really going for it. And the Reds got some nice little relievers that helped them, and that's good. They're better, but the competition is not just sitting and, and watching either. Uh, that, that's kind of my biggest problem with the Reds' performance at the trade deadline. People are going to give them all kinds of credit for getting some guys, and it's good that they got these guys, but other teams are trying to win. <laughs> and you kind of alluded to that a moment ago, uh, really actually trying to win. As much fun as I'm having on this podcast, I keep hoping that I'll wake up in a minute and the Dodgers don't actually get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the fact I, they aren't even winning their division is like, you know, it feels like that's lucky for anybody else trying to contend. Getting those two, it, it just sort of justifies what you've been saying over and over for months, maybe even years. Some front offices, and granted, right, they have the payroll of the gods. They can spend all the money they want. But some fan bases and some, some front offices, they want and are willing to do whatever it takes. The Reds have shown time and time again that, hey, we'll do some little things. We hear you chirping. We hear, we hear Chad talking. We want some, we want some relievers. We'll get you some relievers. But the payroll's not moving. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, uh, it's just a matter of uh, other things are more important than winning. And I don't think you can say that about the Dodgers or the Padres now. Um, or the, And the Brewers, too. You know, uh, not that their payroll's way up high, but, you know, they traded for a shortstop early in the season that re- the Reds really could have used, Willie uh, Adamas. And, uh, and, and and I wanted to ask you about this. With these relievers, I'm happy to have these relievers. I, I don't want to... I don't want to kind of, yeah. you know, toss water on it. I'm happy to have these guys. I think they make, the Reds are better than they were last week. And that's good. And I'm, I want to be excited about that because I do like this team. And when I say I like this team, I'm not saying I like the Cincinnati Reds, I'm saying, which I guess I do. But I like this group of players. And there are now three more players that, you know, maybe there's 21 Major League players on this team now. But um, can you imagine if the Reds had had done this two months ago, three months ago, acquired these well, relievers? One of the things that's kind of frustrating to me is that 
you know, after these moves, you're seeing the Reds designate players for assignment that they were running out in the eighth and ninth innings of close ball games within a week or two ago. Yeah. Like, if you're noticing these players aren't good enough to be on a major league team, at least ours, why were you running them out two weeks ago if you're just going to kick them to the curtain now? That's what's frustrating to me. They knew this needed to be addressed. They knew these weren't, you know, major league caliber players. And again, we said it over and over, no no fault to them. They're they're trying their best, and they seem to be very likable. I root for them. I hope they have continued success for their careers. But the front office folks, are they're there for a reason. They know what's going on, and they knew these people weren't going to cut it, yet they trotted them out there day after day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just... It's a fact, and um, if the Reds had done this two months ago, maybe we've got an extra five wins. I mean, I, I don't think that's crazy to say, given how the bullpen has, has blown game after game after game. And if you've got five extra wins, I mean, think about that. You know, the Reds right now are 54 uh, and 49. Let's add, uh, let's add five wins. Let's add four wins, 58 and 45. And all of a sudden, yeah, this is one of the better teams in the league, and it's just so frustrating that the front office would not, uh, or or ownership, whoever's at fault, would not would not do that. Um, I'm interested to see how many of these guys that are designated for assignment actually get claimed by someone else, because I don't expect there to be a whole lot of uh, interest. Although Ashton Godot, the Rockies didn't claim him because they have a they have a spot in their bullpen, I guess now that uh, they traded um, Michael Givens here. Um, but uh, the rest, I of think, them, the real winner, the real winner in all this is Ashton Godot. I think he's been claimed off of waivers six times. This guy is making great money, getting to live in all kinds of different cities. I hope him and his family are having a blast. Yeah, I bet he's got some great stories when he uh, finally retires, <laughs> uh, forcibly probably at some point. Um, do we have an opinion on uh, Michael Givens spelling his name M-Y-C-H-A-L? I-, I think I love that for some reason. I'm just not sure why. No opinion? I mean, it's 2021. I don't. I don't think you're allowed to spell it the, anything the way it was spelled pre 2012. Maybe we'll call it 2012. So, Michael, I think it's we're going to see more more often. And since he's now my newest favorite reliever for the Reds, I love it. The only way to spell it. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to have any more children, but if I did, I probably would name him Michael and spell it that way in honor of of his guy. And I agree. I was like you. I saw that on Twitter. Uh, the pictures that he uh, tweeted out of him as a kid wearing the Reds uniforms, and yeah. That guy knew what he was doing when he tweeted that out, um, and they showed it on the I would broadcast. I like apologize to Michael Lorenzen for my uh, <laughs> Michael subject. Oh, Michael Lorenzen. Maybe Michael Lorenzen should change his uh, spelling of his name, and you know, maybe he'll be able to stay healthy. Oh, he's supposed to be back soon. That's the that's what came out today was that uh, Lorenzen is, is hopefully hoping to be back soon uh, for the Reds. Things are going well. Who knows? We'll see. Um, Nick Senzel starting his uh, rehab assignment. And Mike Moustakis soon will be starting a rehab assignment. And that brings me to the next topic, especially the Sinzel and um, Moustakis portions of it, which is that we have to have a conversation about Eugenio Suarez. I don't want to have this conversation. Go ahead. I don't want to. No. I don't think you and I have actually talked about Gino, um, it's what I wrote about this week uh, at the magazine, but uh, and it was the hardest uh, thing to write ever because I had to say bad things about a guy that I just. You talk about Votto being the most likable in my head. I was thinking, I don't know, uh, Eugenio Suarez may be the most likable player of my lifetime. Uh, he's just so likable, and and 
he's not getting it done. But I don't think we've talked about it. Do you have uh, some opinions about the Suarez and what's going on and what the Reds need to do? You and I have not talked about it. One of the one of the things that just it just makes me sad. Um, I'm willing to throw out anything that I know about baseball in support of Eugenio Suarez. Like I, I know it doesn't make sense, but I like him so much that I want him to get that bat. I want him to be put in the heart of the lineup and be protected. Though I know that if I, if I was the manager, that's not an option. You cannot do that with a player that is performing the way he is. And it's heartbreaking because, like you just said, he's he's so likable. And the talent is there. It's obvious. He has succeeded at the major league level in incredible ways. I don't know what the deal is, but, you know, we, we're in the chase. Like, we have a chance to make the playoffs. And I think he has a negative two-something WAR. Like 2.2, yeah, negative 2.2. Yeah. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts because he's – oh, gosh. All right, so anyway, uh, you know, uh, we've talked about it 100 times on the podcast. He hurt his shoulder diving in the pool before last season, and he's just not been the same since. And and when I published – I haven't updated these numbers, but when I published the the piece at the magazine earlier this week, he'd played in 152 games since coming back from that injury. So basically a full season, 625 plate appearances. During that time, 182 – Batting average, 277 on base, um, 400 slugging. His OPS plus, 71. So that means roughly 29% worse than the average big league hitter. Right now in this season, 98 games that he's played in, well, 99 including today, but 174 average, 257 on base, 58 OPS plus. And again, 100 is average. Um, The case I was forced to make, I felt like, and I'm I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Let's let's fast forward to the time when either Nick Senzel or uh, Mike Moustakas returns to the active lineup. Is there any justification for keeping a Eugenio Suarez in the starting lineup at that point? My answer was no. Other, What's that? Other than fan, other than fanhood, I can't think of one. Um, it seems like the early reports are that they're prepping uh, Nick Senzel to be sort of a utility man, you know, play, play five or six days a week at a bunch of different positions. And that's great. He's a great defender. If he can stay healthy. Can yeah. with that, if he can stay healthy. Um, I don't, I don't know how you keep trotting him out there. I, I feel like in the past you've seen teams, you know, go with the phantom DL stint or IL stint. Like this guy's just, he, you know, he's pressing. So let's, Let's put him on the 10-day. Let's put him on the 30-day. Maybe the doctors can find something. I don't know. I can I can talk myself into uh, Suarez, the pinch hitter extraordinaire. <laughs> I mean, it's nice having a guy off the bench that can you know, hit one out of the park. Yeah. but He, he has 19 I, home I runs. I'm not going to pretend that I'm Moustakas' you know, biggest believer. I'm, I, I, I like him as a player, but you know, we'll see. But he has to be given a chance. And I think that the only the odd man out in that situation has got to be Eugenio. Yeah, I do not enjoy saying it. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's, let's imagine the day that uh, Moustakas gets back. Until Moustakas gets back, my opinion is, of the people on the current roster, you're going to start Mike Freeman? I mean, come on. You know, 
uh, you, you kind of got to keep trotting Suarez out there. Maybe I bet him eighth, but you kind of got to keep trotting him out there. Uh, you know, some people, some people say Alejo Lopez, but come on. I mean, you know, uh, I think I would stick with, with Suarez. But when Moustakas is on the roster, I, I thought what was going to happen was that Suarez would finally get it together and then just move him back to shortstop where he's an awful shortstop defensively. But um, I thought that's what would happen. And then uh, and Farmer would go to the bench. But, you know, you look at the numbers, and we're going to talk some more about Kyle Farmer, but even before his latest hot streak, you couldn't hardly argue that uh, Suarez was any better than Farmer, especially when you include defense. Because, um, you know, Farmer's defense has been not as good as they want you to believe on the Reds broadcast. None of the metrics show that, but it's been fine. Um, and so we're at the point where Kyle Farmer's a better option for your lineup than Eugenio Suarez. And I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see, I don't think, no, you, I don't envy David Bell having to make that decision. You had a former all-star, former 49 home run guy, but David Bell's not having choice. Suarez has got to go to the bench. Uh, when we start, if, especially if Mustak is going to be back soon, and man, how do we get here? You, you, see, you mentioned the deals. Go ahead. Sorry, I can't believe we live in a world where you can soundly make the argument that Kyle Farmer is a better option for a major league starting lineup than Suarez. Yeah, it's it's completely insane. Um, you uh, uh, mentioned uh, well. Now it's lost. It's gone straight out of my head. Something I wanted to comment on. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, he's 29 years old. I, I know what it was. You mentioned maybe the, the quote unquote phantom DL stand. We do see those occasions. I think we had one with Sonny Gray recently. The problem is, I think that the player has to kind of agree with it, or there's going to be a, a problem with the union. And Suarez keeps saying he's healthy. He's been saying he's 100% healthy from that shoulder ever since it happened. But I got to tell you, it's, I, I don't know if that's the reason, but that's the point where he fell off a cliff. And uh, has been not been the same since that shoulder injury, and um, he's never really, even really looked the same. Uh, you know, the way I ended that that piece about Suarez was just, you know, this, this makes a tear run down my cheek because <laughs> I do love the guy. But come on, we gotta we gotta kind of tell the truth here. I think, right? He's just not the guy. It's different if we're if we're you know ten games under five hundred, which we're so used to being, and we can let him work it out on his own. It's not often that, as Reds fans, we get to root for a winner. By winner, I don't mean a team that makes the playoffs, a team that finishes above 500. Yes, please. And we have, we have that opportunity right now. And, man, like I, more than anything, I want him to be a part of it. But it's, it's, He's not helping. It's literally in the pudding. It is, it is a negative 2.2 war. You, you can't argue with it. Yeah. Um we kind of need to uh kind of need to address uh the Kyle Farmer thing because uh people are going nuts over Kyle Farmer and let me tell you Kyle Farmer for the last 50 at bats has been unbelievable he's been the second coming of uh you know I don't know Joey Votto but uh Barry Larkin <laughs> maybe since he's playing shortstop uh I made the suggestion on uh, on the twitters and you should never make any suggestions on the Twitters because people are going to say dumb things to you, but that it's time for Jose Barrero, who just moved up. I, don't, I wish I pulled it up here. He just moved way up in the Baseball America prospect rankings. Um, highest ranked, I think, Reds prospect. I think he moved ahead of Hunter Green. But anyway, 23 years old and destroyed the ball at Chattanooga in AA and now just absolutely killing the ball at AAA. We know he, he came up last year and he was not ready 
for the big leagues during last year's season, but he has done nothing but hit since day one in the minor leagues and showed why he's that big time prospect. 309 average in AAA now, 404 on base, 553 slugging. Uh, you know, um, he's hitting home runs. Uh, he's just, uh, just incredible. And, and I made the suggestion that this time bring, uh, bring Barrero up. You know, he's, uh, he's shown he could do it at double A, triple A. Uh, and again, we're just talking 25 games at triple A, but still he's not skipped the beat. What do you think about the idea? Even in the, in the midst of Kyle Farmer's career best, uh, you know, uh, run here of bringing Barrero up. Uh, and, and, and is it insane to, to say that? I've got a couple thoughts. The first one would be, you know who else looked pretty good for about two weeks, and I think everybody in the Twitter sphere uh, tried to tell us about it? The Reds' bullpen had a good two weeks. Oh, so let's, yes. Let's not let a good two weeks make a player's career. And I'd say this with all due respect to Kyle Farmer. I have enjoyed watching this young man play baseball this year. He plays hard. I, I got no complaints about what he's done. This is not in any way a commentary on Kyle Farmer. I think he is a wonderful role player for a team with playoff aspirations. That said, bring up Jose Barrera. He's he's a wonderful ball player. He's crushing it right now. Anybody who says, oh, well, what, what happened last year, he, he didn't hit last year when he came up. You know who else didn't hit last year? The Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> That's true. The entire team was visible. I, I, don't, I don't see how, and we have a glaring, glaring shortstop hole. I, I don't see a justification for not, not giving the kid a chance. He's He's fun. He's exciting. He's just crushing it right now. He should have been brought up yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's that's absolutely true. And, and again, you know, I, I said something about, um, you know, about that on Twitter, and I had two or three people say, "Well, I have all the Kyle Farmer hate." I'm like, point me to the tweet where I've shown any Kyle Farmer hate. I don't hate Kyle Farmer. Guy plays his butt off. Plays hard. He's done. Everything the Reds have asked of him, um, but but you know I mean even with this crazy hot streak recently, his OPS plus again hundreds average his OPS plus this season's eighty three, okay so seventeen percent below that's a career high for him at age thirty. Last year was sixty eight. His career is seventy seven. Why would we think a thirty year old is all of a sudden going to turn into this some elite hitter? It's just uh, I love the way you put it about the Reds bullpen because for a couple weeks everybody's like, "All right, we're fine now," you know. Not everybody, but certain people. Uh, my buddy uh, Woo the Reds on Twitter, who will not tell me his real name, one of our uh, friends uh, here uh, of the podcast, he had a great tweet and he said, "I want to see the Venn diagram of the people who think Kyle Farmer is great right now and the people who thought Luis Castillo was finished uh, <laughs> when he was struggling earning year." It's the same people. You know, it's just, it's a recency bias thing. And I'm so happy that Kyle, I hope he keeps hitting like this. I would give anything for him to keep hitting like this. I want that. He's helping the Reds. But, I love it. Exactly. But why would anyone look at his career and think he can keep this up? It's just, it's completely silly. And I don't know why we're even pretending like he's the answer at shortstop. And a lot of people, if my mentions on Twitter or any evidence, a lot of people think he's the answer. He's proven it now. Am I losing my mind? No, you're you're spot on. I think if Kyle Farmer keeps it up, um, don't get me wrong, love to have him, but if he finishes 
finishes the season this strong, I'm sure the Angels will overpay him. <laughs> was that a little? And, you know, was that a little Cozart? Is that Cozart shade there? <laughs> I mean, it's more angel, more angel shade. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> I love but, it. Um, I don't get it. I mean, yes, let's let's, let's root for this guy. We, I, mean, I, I, I have no problem with him being a red a long time. He he reminds me a lot of my favorite reds over the years, with just how hard he plays and how willing he is to go and do what the team asks for him. But let's also not pretend he's the second coming of Barry Larkin. Yeah. Well, that's the other part of it. He's got the Chris Steins thing, you know. The, the Cincinnati's always got this thing for, you know, uh, some scrappy white guy. You know, I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. Um, and, and he's got that. And he does play hard. I, I don't have a problem with Kyle Farmer. I don't hate Kyle Farmer. And matter of fact, to prove that I don't hate him, let's say Mike Moustakis returns tomorrow to the Reds lineup. You know what I would probably do? I would uh, either shift... Uh, well, I would, or let's say Jose Barrero comes up tomorrow. That's what I meant to say. Not, not Mishak, because he's, he's a few weeks off. Let's say Jose Barrero does come up tomorrow and takes over shorts off the Reds. I'd move Kyle Farmer to third and set Eugenio Suarez on the bench. That's what I do for now. I mean, uh, he's a better hitter this year until Suarez figures it out. I, I actually would keep Kyle Farmer in the lineup. I don't hate the guy. Um, what do you think about that? Moving him over to third if, uh, if we did get Barrero. And I don't know that we're going to get him soon, but, uh, maybe we should. Um, is that what you would do? I, I think it's I think it's a hard move. If if you were the you know, obviously I can't I can't pretend to speak for a you know professional caliber front office guy, but it's gonna be hard to wire your brain that way. But I think if you're just looking at the numbers and what gives the Reds the best chance to win today, who's whose bat do you want in that lineup? Whose glove do you want in the lineup? Kyle Farmer unfortunately somehow against all odds wins that argument against Suarez. 10 times out of 10. And I can't believe I'm saying it. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Oh gosh. How is that possible that we're saying <laughs> Kyle Farmer has been better than, than, uh, Gino. Um, one last thing before we take on some viewer mail questions here, uh, because I do want to mention this kind of, we've not really talked about it, but this little streak here recently, the Reds playing well has happened with Nick Castellanos on the injured list. That's been kind of gratifying to watch. You know, remind me of uh, you know uh, 2012, I guess it was when Votto got injured and the team kind of came together without him. Uh, that's been, you know, that's been kind of fun to watch. But also, hey, he's coming back soon. That's a <laughs> I can't wait to get that guy back. How much do we love Nick Castellanos? I guess that's the question I want to get to because that's what I love talking about. How much do we love Nick Castellanos? It reminds me a whole lot of the uh, the Puig years when. Uh... We got all the excitement of having having Yaziel Puig, but this guy's actually good. <laughs> yeah, the Puig months, but uh, yeah, this guy's actually can play. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. We get all the excitement, all the uh, all the adrenaline, the aggression, and man, I can't wait till he comes back. Um, just like you said, remember 2012 when Vado um, went down? I think everybody thought the team was done; they were sunk. Somehow, these people they rally behind it, and get together. It's certainly not a a Bill Simmons Ewing theory by any means. Because, Ooh. Yeah. The Ewing theory. You, you, like gotta go a little, you, gotta, you gotta go a little deeper than that, but for this team to not only tread water, but to win some meaningful games without who seems to be the heart and soul of their lineup. I mean, I think, I think it says a lot about all the other guys. Definitely. Definitely. Um, couldn't agree more now, but before we get into viewer mail, I gotta say, I've got some breaking news here, Nate. Breaking news on the Red Leg Nation radio podcast. 
With the 17th pick in the NBA first round of the NBA draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Trey Murphy III from the University of Virginia. <laughs> Trey Murphy selected in the first round of the NBA draft. Comes from Rice University. We've never heard of him and becomes a first rounder in one year. Oh, Tony Bennett. Sorry, Nate. I, <laughs> as you as you well know, we, uh, I tend to digress when it comes to the the who's. Um, you want to answer some viewer mail questions? They bring them on. Before we do that, as we do, I've been gone for a couple of weeks. We've got a couple of new subscribers, and uh, you know, a little disappointed. We only had two guys. A little disappointed. We only had two new subscribers this week at Patreon.com/slash Red Leg Radio. Not disappointed at all. I'm kidding. Obviously, I'm so thankful that uh, you would, uh, some of you would step up and and support the podcast, uh, and and I hope more of you will. But uh, you know, again, this podcast it's it's free. It's every Friday uh, free. Um, but there's some there's some goodies at uh, Patreon if you want to if you want to join the family, and we have a pretty good time with that group. Uh, so, uh, Nate, our, our typical uh, you know our uh, uh, what's the word you know I don't know, but what we typically do here is we get a new subscriber. We got to give them a, a position on the beer league softball team. And I feel bad because I've been gone for the last couple of weeks. These these two guys haven't gotten their position on the Red Leg Nation Radio beer league softball team. So uh, we're gonna do that right now. First comes Nicholas Sparks. Nicholas Sparks. Is a, a new uh, new friend, new member of the family. Uh, thank you so much, Nicholas, for for joining us. Now, Nate, off the top of your head, what position does Nicholas Sparks think about that name? What does that tell you? What what position is he playing on our beer league softball team? So I'm going to go in a couple different directions. My initial gut reaction was this guy's a lights out, flame throwing, late inning reliever, maybe even a closer. But as soon as I thought that, for some reason, my mind shifted to a tall, lanky, power-hitting first baseman. And since beer league softball teams don't have closers, I'm leaning towards first baseman. Interesting. Because it's funny, I had a couple of thoughts as well. One of them was that he was a... Uh, I had him as left-handed, but a lights-out left-handed closer. I thought he, this guy's an end-of-the-game shut-down reliever. The other thought that I had... I love was, this works. Yeah, yeah, we may have to go with that. But the other thought I had was that he might be uh, the team's uh, novelist, Nicholas Sparks, a novelist. You think maybe he's a maybe he's a novelist? Thank you. Maybe he, in the spare time, he brings the mood of the team way down. I hope not. Because <laughs> I, I appreciate Nick. All right. Well, we're gonna say he's a he's a dual threat guy, uh, slugging first baseman and a big time. Left-handed reliever. Nicholas, thank you so much for joining us. Next up comes Matthew Lee. Matthew Lee uh, joined us earlier this month. Uh, thank you so much for that, Matthew. Uh, when I when I see Matthew, my thought here is that he's a starting pitcher, but he's a junk baller. Uh, and maybe I'm thinking of Bill Lee, the old Red Sox. That's a little for your time, uh, a little for my time too, actually. But the old Red Sox pitcher uh, in the 70s, uh, mid-70s, among other teams. And uh the spaceman they called him, and so I think we got our own spaceman now. Matthew Spaceman Lee um, throws an Ephus pitch, but people can't hit him. So that's that's my thought. Did you have any uh, any thoughts? I was looking back at the roster construction of this beer league softball team, and I was thinking that we needed a spaceman type guy. So I think Matthew Lee. You feel, yeah. you feel the gap we needed you that's a gap we needed Matthew thank you so much I really do uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate uh, all of you that support the podcast and not just at Patreon but all of you that support the podcast by downloading every week and, and sticking with us now uh, following us on Twitter and all that let's get into these viewer mail questions and we've gone longer than I hope so we may have to do a little bit of rapid fire here 
uh, Nate. Um, these questions, as always, come from, uh, these are actual letters from actual viewers. If they weren't, could I do this? Actual letter in my hand. I don't know. I just, you know, I want to be, uh, I want to be David Letterman so much I can't stand it. Um, my son just texted me that uh, he's not sure what to think about the fact that Trey Murphy from the University of Virginia is going to be teammates with uh, Zion Williamson from Duke. So I got to go have a talk with my young, yeah. my young son. Yeah. Uh, first question comes from Mike Perry, and some of these questions I meant to bring them up while we're having our discussion earlier. Some of them are things we've already talked about, but I want to I want to mention a couple of them. Mike Perry says three mediocre relievers help the Reds, but it's too little, too late. Do you agree? And my first thought was mediocre. I'm not sure they're mediocre. Uh, they're not much higher than mediocre, but I think they are higher than mediocre. I think Wilson, maybe we can argue at this point in his career, he's not. But I think they are they help the team. Yes, they help the team. But I think Mike's right. Well, no, I don't think he's right necessarily. I mean, Mike Perry, you're always right. But on this one, too little, too late? Maybe not. I would like to have it to happen two months ago. But we don't know yet that it's too little, too late, and I guess I, here's me trying to be hopeful. Is that fair? I think it's entirely fair. I did a little basic research, and there was a 1973 Mets team that was 11 and a half games out of the playoff berth on August 5th. There is always hope, Mr. Perry. Yeah, the 1973 Mets, uh, famous of. Uh, Bud Harrelson, Pete Rose fight in the National League Championship Series. But yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I, don't, I don't want to talk about how that ended. But... <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sorry I brought that up. Apologize. Um, Seth Shaner, he has uh, two things here. One we've definitely already talked about. The second one we'll talk about quickly. Two things to welcome Chad back to his throne. I'm back on my throne. Um, can Joey Votto do anything he sets his mind on? We've already discussed that. Um, probably. Maybe there are a few things that he's physically incapable of, but uh, pretty much he can do anything. This this has shown me that he, he's just superhuman. The other one's this. Should these moves work out, and there are more to come before the trade deadline, would you consider lifting your boycott, or are you firm on not attending games at uh, Great American Ballpark in 2021? Uh, I won't talk much about this little personal boycott I've got going on. Seth asked me this occasionally, and, and some others uh, at Patreon asked me this occasionally. They're trying to find exactly where the line is. And the line is this. I'm not going to Great American Ballpark this year. I'm, I'm I'm not asking anyone else to do this. Go enjoy the games if you want to. But I'm just not giving Bob Castellan any of my money this year. Um, now, if they go out before the trade deadline and go nuts, if they go get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, okay, it's going to tempt me. But I just, I, I, I've sort of drawn a line in the, sta- in the sand and I'm, and I'm not going to do it. You know, um, I've now been to four, four, Four different major league parks this year. Three of them are new parks that I've never been to, which and I've enjoyed getting to see some other places I haven't been to. Um, the three that I hadn't been to before: uh, PNC Park in Pittsburgh, um, Dodger Stadium, which was. I'm sorry for those of you that are '70s and '80s era Reds fan. That's a who hate the Dodgers still. That's a great stadium, and uh, Bush Stadium in St. Louis, which you know, um, I hate to say it. That's a nice stadium but anyway um no i'm not going to great american ballpark this year i'm not and i hate it my wife was just uh when we were on our trip at one point we were talking about something and she said you know i think this other than last year 2020 i think this will be the first year since we've been married and we've been married a long time that we've not gone to great american ballpark i'm like 
yeah, you're trying to guilt me into it. What's what's going on here? But I'm just not doing it. I'm just not doing it. Um, I don't know if you have any comment on that, uh, whether you're you're going to join my boycott or not. But uh, uh, I don't know. I'll give you a chance to say if there's something you want to say to that, Nate. That's kind of I don't know. All all I'll say is that I've uh, known you for every single year of my life, and when you've set your mind towards something, there's there's no standing in the way of it. So. <laughs> well, that's uh, you know, um, I just that is what it is. I don't know. If the Reds made the World Series, uh, I might. <laughs> I might backtrack. I had tickets to the World Let's Series. Go to the American. Go to the American Ooh, League ballpark. Now, there you go. There you go, Nate. I had tickets to uh, the 2012 World Series. Oh, so sad. Next question comes from our buddy um, Kyle Kapler. Kyle asks, "Will Gino?" Eugenio Suarez break Chris Davis's batting average record this year. Chris Davis, uh, the legendarily rich Baltimore Oriole, who uh, hit, I think, uh, 168 in 2018. I think that might be the record he's talking about. He's hitting 115 this year, by the way. But um, Gino's, uh, you know, Gino's hitting 174. Uh, I'm going to say no, but that's a sad question to ask Kyle. Why would you try to harsh my mellow? What do you think? Yes or no, Nate? I didn't appreciate the question, though yes. I understand it. It doesn't make for good content, but my answer is no. Why is Kyle doing this to us? I don't approve. Love you, Kyle, but come on, man. Joey Gaditza, our buddy from Canada. He always wants to talk about Joey Votto because he's from Canada. Um, so here, here's this question. Welcome back, Chad. Hope your vacation was great. It was. I'm not going to talk about it, but we, uh, you know, we drove Route 66. You all should do that sometime. Um, does Joey Votto have the unique ability to just turn on the Jets whenever he feels like it? I mean, his resurgence in power and the plays he's made in the field would suggest so. Um, no, I don't think that's... He has a unique ability, but I wish he'd come to this realization, you know, a year and a half earlier that I just can't do what I'm doing. But, it, you know, it's personal. He he's, was one of the best in the game at what he did for a long time. Um, but he does have a unique ability that very, very few people on Earth have. Is that a fair way to... Talk about Votto. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. The guy had a borderline Hall of Fame career based on one certain set of skills. Then those skills stopped working, so he developed brand new skills to solidify his Hall of Fame career. Um, I don't think it was the resurgence and, or he turned on the Jets. He just he adjusted and adapted the way that we all hope we could as we as we age. Yeah, um, let me. You just reminded me of something that my buddy Chris Garber said, uh, I think earlier today. I want to get your take on that. Before this, you know, this year, we all thought Votto was a Hall of Famer. And my personal thing had been that he's going to be, he's not going to be first ballot, but he'll get in eventually. I think the, the voters at this point are, uh, they're, they're skewing a little bit younger and they understand how important on base percentage is and what Votto does, how important it was. But he wasn't a shoe in to be a first ballot. And I don't, still don't think he is. But, Chris suggests that if he finishes out this year like this, it's going to cause a complete reevaluation because he will be a, one of the elite hitters in the league at age 37 and that it might strengthen his case to where he's all of a sudden maybe a first ballot guy. What do you think about that? I, th I think Chris is spot on. I think that uh, anybody who's followed Votto or the Reds, even remotely close, would believe that he was a Hall of Famer before this season. And it it is in question, but it shouldn't have been. The guy's one of the greatest hitters of, of my generation, for sure. 
and there are far worse players to get in. But to change your entire approach and become one of the better hitters in the entire league at this age, when you already have a, we'll call it borderline case just for the sake of the conversation, I think it really does. I think I think it rewrites the narrative. I think that uh, Chris is 100% correct in that. Okay. I really hope he doesn't listen to this episode because I don't want to hear any, any uh, you know, <laughs> complimentary talk about Chris Garber. He wrote the 25 worst chapters of uh, a famous book that you may have heard of, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds. Um, that's not true, but I, if he gives me grief about it, I'll know he listened to the podcast. And if he doesn't, don't tell him. Michael Henry, two questions. First, is Kyle Farmer good? I'll let you answer that one, Nate. Nate, is, uh, is Kyle Farmer good? Good at what? Is he good at... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's a great family man. Um, no, he's he, he's a, an extremely good member to have on your active roster for a baseball club. He's, he's he's a person that you want, someone you want to root for. Is he starting caliber major leaguer good? I don't want to say that. Yeah. But is he good? I mean, he's a major baseball player, so he's better at baseball than almost anyone on the planet. Yeah, I, uh, you you kind of stole my thunder there. I've watched thousands of baseball players, uh, you know, from you know little league all the way up to the major leagues. Kyle Farmer is one of the best of the guy, uh, players <laughs> that have ever played baseball. He is. He's top, you know, one. I don't know, tenth of one percent probably of people that have played baseball. Better than me. Um. Mm-hmm. So he's good at baseball. Yes, you can't get to the major leagues without being good at baseball. He's not good enough to be a. He's not going to be a starter. I'm sorry, those of you that love him, and there's there's a guy really. I'm not going to mention his name here, but he, he emails me often. You know, if if you're listening to this, you you know I'm talking about you, and I really appreciate those emails. He's a big. He's been, all season long. He's been a big Kyle Farmer guy, and I'm like, okay, dude. You know, um, I don't agree with you, but I love the I love the you know I love that you're keeping the faith with Kyle Farmer, and that's fine. You know, nobody has to agree with me all the time. Um, and keep emailing me. It doesn't bother me. Um, I, matter of fact, I enjoy it, even though we, dis- as you said in, our, in, in your last email, agree or disagree. Um, Kyle Farmer's just not good. He's been great in the last two, three weeks. He's been great, and I love it. I hope he. Ke- I wish he would do that until he's 40 years old. You know, I wish he would make me look stupid for saying that he's not great. I'm not going to bet the ranch that's going to happen. Michael Henry's second question is Joey Votto God's greatest gift to mankind? Not sure I'm willing to go quite that far, but he's you know he's one of the natural wonders. What are the seven, eight natural wonders of the world? I think. I mean, let me just say this: he might be top top five greatest gift. <laughs> he might he might be. I agree. I went to the Grand Canyon for the first time uh, on this last vacation, and that was one of the most spectacular things I've ever seen. But it ranks just below Joey Votto. All right, next question. James Urban. I'm not sure I understand the question. I'm just going to let you answer this one, Nate. Glad to have you back. Here's the question. Does this team win? That's it. That's the question. Does this team win? A lot of ways you can take that. What do you, what do you, what do you think? Does this team win, Nate? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this question was asked tonight. Um, yes, they won. And there's, <laughs> there's evidence that at some points throughout history, this team has occasionally won. Um, do they win at all? Shoot, hey. Well, I have dreams if you can't if, if you can't live in them. So the team does win on occasion. This is a fun team. We'll continue to root for them. Are they going to win anything big? 
stranger things have happened. <laughs> I am nothing if not an op- nothing if not an optimist. Yeah, you're more of an optimist than me, and I've tried to be a, a pretty big optimist uh, over the years. Yeah, but but they're going to win games for the, the rest of the season, right? They they are going to win some games, no question. Mm-hmm. All right, Nathan Connor. Hey, Dotson boys. I put a longer form version of this on the Slack channel. That's one of the benefits you get from being a patron uh, at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. He said, but for viewer mail, it'll be brief. Yes, the front office is cheap, but shouldn't the baseball operations department bear some of the blame for what this bullpen has been? I think these moves this week are mostly for next year and are an indication they want to turn over the pin quite a bit. This is a head start on winter business. Thoughts? My quick thoughts, and I'll let you weigh in, Nate. I don't think we know how much the front office is to blame, uh, or the baseball operations department. We're basically talking about Nick Crawl, general manager Nick Crawl uh, and his team. Um, I have kind of defended him, and, and Bill uh, Lack and Chris Garber smacked me around a little bit for that last week, which I get, I understand. Um, but but it's basically because I've met Nick Crawl, and I know that he's not an idiot. I know that he understands advanced analytic concepts. I know that he's not a moron. Um, but and, and and we also know that Bob Castellani will not provide the funds to really truly improve the team. The flip side is I can't say that Nick Crawl's a, a good general manager. I don't have any evidence that shows that. I think he's you know getting maybe getting too much slack for this, but maybe not. Maybe these moves could have been done two months ago. Uh, I think we just have in, imperfect information there, and um, I, I, it's quite possible, Nathan, that uh, baseball ops does deserve some of the blame for this bullpen, even though uh, our buddy John Fay uh, says that Nick Cross should get all the credit for the the good bullpen relievers, that whoever they are, during that two-week stretch. So anyway, um, this is a head start on winter business, says Nathan. Nathan Connor, not Nathan Dotson. Do uh, you have any thoughts about that that question and that those thoughts? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, we aren't privy enough to the information, you know, behind the scenes. Um, we we can be sure that the front office has, at least, ownership has done very little to improve the quality of this ball club. I I think that everyone else, they have a job to do. They're trying to. Don't want to do the best at their job. They're trying to keep their job. Yeah. So at some point, these questions are kind of in conflict with each other. Should they bear the blame? And also they're preparing for next year. I'm not sure that I have faith that the team has prepared for future seasons. Yeah. In a long time. <laughs> That's a great point. Um, so I just don't, I just don't know. I, I, I choose to believe that, Everyone that's getting paid to do a job is trying to do the best job they can do. Yeah, you know, um, we talked about having, uh, you know, uh, Luis uh, Senna for another year, uh, two years, I think. And there's an argument to be made that that might be given in in terms of inside information. uh, We don't have a ton. We don't know everything that's going on there. I do have information that points to Bob Castellani just, you know, uh, and non-public information, frankly, uh, he's not paying. He's not going to pay. Um, so uh, we do have a little bit of information, but not enough to know whether how much Nick Crawl. You could maybe flip it and say Nick Crawl, by acquiring a guy that's available past this year, is trying to, at a low cost, um, prepare for future years a little bit. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think we know whether this front office is, is good or not. Uh, I don't think we know whether they're bad or not either. I just We don't know enough. Joe Farsing asked this question. 
I hope these uh, window dressing moves don't give fans a false sense that Bob Castellan is anything but a cheap SOB. Don't worry, Joe. You know we're not going to ever say anything other than that here until he proves otherwise. With that being said, when can we get to work on the billboard? Thank you, Joe. Uh, this is something Joe and I have talked about. Some, I've mentioned it here on the podcast before, and, and Joe and I specifically have talked about it on our Slack channel a little bit. Uh, I, I, I really am at some point, and maybe in the next month, um, I'm, I really think I'm going to do a billboard somewhere in Cincinnati. Just sell the team, Bob, from Red Leg Nation Radio. What do you think about that, Nate? Sell the team, Bob, from Red Leg Nation Radio. I mean, I'll contribute a few bucks on the GoFundMe, and this has made made me think about uh, you know conspiracy theories are, are all the rage right now. Do you think there is a chance that Bob Castellini thought he was buying a Cessna when he purchased Louis Cessna? <laughs> Maybe he thought he was getting a plane. Say, hey, throw in Justin Wilson, I'll buy that plane. Oh, he has at least one private plane, I know. Maybe, maybe. All right, I'll take on the extra expense of this Wilson guy who you're talking about. But you mean I get a plane, too? All right, it's worth it. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I think we need the billboard. We need the billboard. Yeah, we're going to do the billboard. Um, hold me, hold my feet to the fire, uh, fans of Red Leg Nation Radio. Um, okay, I'm going to read this from uh, Eric, uh, Eric Gruen. Um Kyle Farmer is set to bat third tonight, which got a laugh for me. I understand he's got the hot bat, but I've never considered the three-hole the spot where you stick in whoever is hitting well. I understand mixing righties and lefties, but it would be less surprising to me if Suarez was put there instead of Farmer. Thoughts? Eric, I'll say this. I completely agree with you, but Kyle Farmer ended, got three hits out of the three-hole against the Cubs today. So I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but uh, tonight might not be the night for us to make that argument, right? Baseball is a funny game. It's crazy. Um, Jackson Lotta talks about Jose Barrera getting bumped back up to the bigs this year. Under what circumstance? Um, uh, quickly, do you think Barrero is going to be play for the Reds this year before before September? Say before September. That's the qualifier. I was hoping you wouldn't ask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do I think he is? If I was a betting man, if I had to put uh, money one way or the other, I'm going to say no. Should he? Absolutely. I, I just maybe you, you never root for an injury, but maybe something like that could get him brought up. I don't see a scenario where you can argue against him at least getting another taste. But do I think he's going to? I don't know. I don't. I don't have enough faith in the front office. Yeah, a lot of people argue with me on the on the twitters that uh, there's an argument against it, which is named Kyle Farmer. Skylar Webker asks this one. With rumors of Red Scouts looking at Mad Max, Max Scherzer, uh, throw today, um, which, you know, the Reds are not getting Max Scherzer. But anyway, and teams drawing interest in Nick Senzel, there has been some rumors specifically about the, the Florida Marlins being interested. Florida Marlins, they're Miami Marlins now, interested in Nick Senzel. Here's Scott's question. Would you trade Senzel and see him become an all-star for the next four or five years for two months of a serious impact player and win a title this year? So, would you trade Nixon Zell, have him become, stay healthy and become an all star for the next four or five years? Would you trade that for two months of a serious impact player and a championship this year? Now, I'm going to answer this and I want you to, I want to hear you weigh in because, uh, I don't know, I actually think you may have the same given your history with the Reds. I'm the biggest Nixon Zell fan on earth. I've not hidden it. Um, he's a great kid. Uh, he's not been able to stay healthy and I hate that. Um, I've never advocated trading him because I think he has more value to the organization right now than he would in trade because he's at a, his his 
you know, asset value is low. But if the question is, would I trade him and him become the guy I think he can be, but the Reds win a championship, the answer to me is yes. I'm going to take that championship. We don't get those things, man. We don't get those championships. So I, I would hate it, and I would root for Senzel wherever he went. But there is no one on this team that I wouldn't trade for a championship this year. What do you think, Nate? That last thing you said is is true. I, I immediately started thinking about about Votto, and I still agree. There's nobody that is untouchable for a championship. Only if you are guaranteed a championship. Right. The part of this question that I take issue with is: Would you trade him for two months of a series impact player? And as much as I love Nixon Zell, I don't see how you're getting a serious impact player with his injury history and lack of production at the major league level. Yeah, it's sad. Number two overall pick. So, um, so let's keep him. So let's keep him and let him thrive as a red leg. I hope. I just hope he can stay healthy at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, listen. I, I've tried to be. Uh, I've tried to be honest about Sinzel uh, on this podcast, while also, you know, I mean, I. I really like the kid. Uh, you know. Um, yeah. My my first feature. Uh, piece for the, for the print Cincinnati magazine was about Senzel and he was so kind with his time. And, uh, you know, when, uh, the university of Tennessee where Senzel played uh, ball, when they played uh, the university of Virginia in the college world series this year, you know, had a bet with uh, Senzel's dad over uh, who's going to win. And so Senzel's dad has to, has to, uh, host me at a, uh, at a, at a football game this fall is what we came up with. Um, cause Virginia won that game, but, um, I, I don't want him traded. And I think Nate's right. He, I don't say you get a serious impact player for him right now. Oh, it's so sad. What could have been? All right, a couple quick well, questions. It still could be. Thank you. Yes, it could be still. I, I'm not going to count on it. I'm not going to hold my breath waiting for it just because of the, the injury history. But yes, he's still young enough that it that it could be. T.J. Horston, quickly, I want to let you answer this one. How do we change the election voting rules to allow Joey Votto, Canadian citizen, to become president of the United States of America? <laughs> This is an amazing question. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to answer it, but I hope we can figure it out right away. Hey, there have been some unlikely people win the presidency over the years, and I can't imagine they were more qualified than Joseph Daniel Biden. Well, I, I know a little bit about the law, and so we're going to have to amend the Constitution. Uh, the best we can maybe hope for is just a let's let's start a campaign that he gets to be the Prime Minister of Canada. And uh, and then, uh, you know, he'll be a friend to America. Uh, you know, Cincinnati's own Joey Votto at this point. Our right, last question comes from uh, Dwight Kelly. And the first question, I think, that's not baseball-related. for That's, that's kind of rare, which is fine. It's good. We've had a lot to talk about with baseball. But Dwight Kelly asks, do either of you know what a hurdy-gurdy is? Hurdy-gurdy. Hint, it's not used in an obscure Olympic competition. Nate, do you know what a hurdy-gurdy is? You could have convinced me it was a random pitcher in the 30s or 40s, but no, I have no idea. Uh, I had no idea either. And so I, I looked it up. The hurdy-gurdy is a mechanical string instrument that produces sound by a hand-crank-turned rosined wheel rubbing against the strings. Do okay. I... You could have given me 10 guesses, and I wouldn't have got the hand-cranked yeah. instrument. A thousand guesses. Dwight, I love you, buddy, but 
That's a weird question. All right, uh, Nate, that's enough for tonight. We've gone longer than I wanted to go, and I, I appreciate you being on here. you have any final thoughts for uh, for the audience here of Red Leg Nation Radio? Uh, nothing, nothing really. I mean, I'm, some really great content today. We have a lot to be excited for as Reds fans, so let's not let the uh, – you know, there are plenty of reasons the front office has given us to be pessimistic, we have reason for optimism right now. That's what Reds fanhood is all about. So let's let's lean into it. Go Reds. That's precisely why I, I wanted to talk to you again on here. I think it's really important that we not forget that, yeah, you know what? This is a fun team. They're flawed. They're completely flawed. But they're fun, and they're above 500, and that's not that's rare. And we do need to remember every week, you get frustrated with Bob Castle if you want. I've been more frustrated than anybody, but you know what? They're still a fun team, and let's uh, let's enjoy it while we've got it because we've had 90 lost seasons, and uh, and and this is not that team. So anyway, this is a Red Leg Nation Radio episode number 386. You can find us wherever you find podcasts. Go subscribe to us; that helps us. If you uh, if you get us on one of the services such as uh, Apple Podcasts, um, that you can leave a review. Um, that would be extremely helpful if you leave us a five-star review. We're on Spotify. We're everywhere. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash redlegradio where you can support the podcast if you wish. Nate, always great talking to you, but especially it's great talking to you about these old Cincinnati Reds. Thank you, man. So much fun. Thanks for having me. All right. This is uh, Red Lake Nation Radio for Nate Dotson and Joseph Daniel Votto, the GOAT. This is Chad Dotson saying... So long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.